Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Man, you guys are uh, becoming super sanctified. Thank you for braving the weather, right? I know it's just absolutely beautiful out there. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm serious. Thank you for coming. Uh, I really do believe God wants to do something very special today, and I'm thankful uh, that you're here. If, it's a, uh, if you're a first-time visitor, my name's Buck, and uh, I have the privilege uh, and really the honor of being the pastor here at Connection Church Dublin, where uh, everything we do uh, is laser-focused on connecting people to Jesus. And so um, one thing we want to do really well is that we want to celebrate uh, when that happens. See, all last weekend, uh, we saw 11 people go from death to life to take their step to go public and say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Can we go ahead and just celebrate that and say thank you? And man, that should never get old to us, right? And then the New Testament, the Bible uh, I, I read uh, says that when the gospel goes forth, it goes forth in power and it has the power to change lives. And, uh, and we believe that. And so we give God all the honor, all the glory for what he's doing here. But today, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, and we're going to be in verse number 1. We'll read 1 through 11. And so now uh, we're shifting gears in that for the next three weeks, we're going to be in a series that we've entitled uh, Death to Life. Uh, And what this series is going to be all about is it's focused on the resurrection of Jesus. As we get ready uh, to celebrate uh, Easter this year, uh, I really want to illuminate the reality of um, how big and massive uh, the the resurrection is. Is. And so that's what the next three weeks will be about. And so today uh, I'm going to preach these verses uh, line by line. And so um, before we get started, uh, I do want to pray. And I just want to ask you to join me in prayer uh, as we mourn with our community. And one of the things that we talked about in generosity is that we are a people for this city. Right? We are a people that want to love this city, that we believe we are sent by Jesus, right? and we've been saved um, from something to something to be a light in this community. And so when our community hurts, we hurt. right? And so this past week, uh, we, we've experienced that here, and uh, we just want to be praying uh, for Dr. Stuckey, uh, the, the family of Dr. Stuckey, and everyone at Dublin City. And, um, and so we have uh, experienced loss, both in our church and outside this past week. And so, if you will, let me join me in prayer, and uh, we're going to hop into the Word of God. Lord, we love you. God, we trust you. Lord, I think about that last song of the, the fact that, Lord, your, your promises are yes and amen. And one of the promises you give us, God, is that death would not have the final say. Jesus, we we trust you and we thank you for the work you did on the cross. And God, that we can have a living hope even as we experience difficulty here in this life. God, I just pray right now that you would comfort um, everyone that's hurting in this community, God, in this city, in our church. Lord, I just pray that you would would just be the, the only person who can, God, that you would just be who you are, which is... Uh, a comforter and a father. And God, that you would wrap up those that are hurting. And uh, God, we just pray for that. I pray we would be the kind of people that, that love this city well. And Lord, when, when 
others hurt, we hurt too. And uh, Father, we just ask you to do that. And Lord, we, we love you and we, we trust your good plan. And, and God, that um, you'll just continue to, to be a good father to us and the many. And uh, God, I just pray over this word today, Lord, that you would use it. And God, you would speak what you want to say to us. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would lead this time. This time would not be about me in any way, but Father, it would, uh, it would be you. And God, your goodness would be put on display. So God, we love you. And Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so I've started ending prayers uh, a lot by saying a statement. Um, and, and that statement is, God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Right? And does anybody, do you ever get in the habit where you kind of just start doing things and it kind of just becomes a habit and you don't really think about even what you're saying or what you're doing? Does anybody ever experience that? I know none of y'all get that way with church, right? Like I never just showed up uh, and it's just the right thing to do. No, I think we've all gone through seasons like that. And so um, as I've been thinking about the things God's been putting in my heart and what I feel like he wants us to, to, to see in this series, um, I believe those two statements are the thing that God is awakening me to the reality of just how big uh, it is what I'm saying. And that is who God is and what he's done for us. And so today, and really the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about who God is and what he has done for us. Now, I want to give you guys something in talking about God, okay? One thing that we can draw and understand in our lives, when we're in the presence of of greatness, it changes things, right? When we're in the presence of greatness, uh, it, it changes things. I think about this. Um, you know, if you guys uh, came into church, or, or I'm sorry, let's just say you, you went to the ball field. I know ball is getting started up. Um, if, if Chipper Jones walked up to your ballpark um, this week, right? Like maybe your kid has a game or you're just going to watch a game. If Chipper Jones goes to the ballpark, I do not think that ballpark is going to chew on sunflower seeds and just act like nothing's happening. You guys with me? Right? That's why you'll find a lot of celebrities, man, they're rocking the Ray-Bans and the hat down close because they don't want anybody to see them. Because simply seeing them incites change, right? Like people um, are drawn. They want to ask questions. Cameras come. And, and so when something, uh, someone that is infinitely um, important or someone that is truly great, it merits a response, right? And so I want to tell you, um, as it relates to God, the, the true God, who God is, he is infinitely holy. And what holiness means is perfection, Right, like never made a mistake. He is perfectly holy, right? And so when we can see God for who he is, right, it will merit a response. But the fear is, is that we live in a culture, in a society that we walk by, we walk by things that are like God. We hear the things of God, but the many times what we can do is it, it, can, it can begin to dull our senses from truly seeing who God is. Does that make sense? And so as we go through the motions of life, what I want to do today is to bring you in and to see the infinite holiness of God, a perfect God who loved you and I enough that he would send his own son, Jesus, to the cross 
to defeat sin and this perfect God, and, and just be honest, all of us in here, um, we have imperfections, right? That God would invite you and I into a relationship with him. A perfect, holy, set-apart God has invited you and I to actually be in relationship with him, right? And that's what we, we see in the gospel. And so as we really unpack uh, the resurrection, I want you to take this with you. Take a note, write this down. The resurrection proves that there's an invitation to have a relationship with God. And that is the gospel. The good news is that um, because Jesus died and resurrected, we are invited into a relationship with God, a holy God. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking and talking about uh, the gospel. And so read with me verses 1 and 2. And what's happening here, uh, this is Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian church. And, uh, and what he's doing is he's talking about why the resurrection is so important. See, what's happening is in Corinth, many people uh, don't believe that. There are people getting into the church to say that the resurrection is not real, that people don't resurrect from the dead. Right? There's a lot of Greek philosophy, and, and the Greeks just did not believe that the resurrection was the real deal. And what Paul is doing is addressing this situation and really showing the magnitude of why this must be real. And so I'll unpack that as we go. But let's read verses 1 and 2. It says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. He says, You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. This, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Okay, So now, focused on the gospel, the resurrection makes the gospel true. I want you to write this down. We're going to see the work of the gospel. right? What Paul is talking about, the work the gospel does in our lives. And what the gospel does, the gospel justifies and sanctifies. Hear that again. The gospel justifies and the gospel sanctifies. So you say, well, but what does justified mean? So you can, you can kind of think about it like this. Um, think about it like a courtroom term. We're going to talk about this in a little bit later. Um, but it is going into a courtroom guilty and walking out not guilty. You, you can think about it like this with justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. When we come to faith in Christ um, it, and we truly give our lives to him, it is just as if we have never sinned. Past, present, and future, right? And that happens in a moment. See, Paul says this. He says, when you welcomed it. And so he's talking about a moment when people welcome this good news that they could be free of their sin. Now, this is heart and soul. If you've been through heart and soul, you've heard me say this. You know, when we get saved, we don't teleport to heaven, Right? Like, if people start vanishing here, I'm going to get creeped out, right? Um, no, no, we are left here. We're justified. And because we don't immediately go to heaven, there's a process of growth that takes place here on this earth called sanctification. So the gospel, the good news, justifies, but it also sanctifies. What that means is that good news is what helps us grow while we're here. And so Paul says this. He says, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message, right? He says, I told you, unless, of course, uh, you believe something that was never 
true. And so what he's saying is that um, it's the gospel that not only saves us, but it grows us. That means that we have to remember what Jesus has done over and over and over again as we are growing, right? Like we don't move past it, we grow deeper um, in it, right? I've talked about it many, many times um, with salvation because what he's saying here is that um, if, if you were saved, you're standing firm in it and you're gonna continue to grow, right? Like there's a lot of people that take this and misalign this theology that you can be saved and then lose it, right? And what I've talked about many, many times is accurate theology is not just, hey, once saved, always saved. I'm going to talk about this a little more, but it's once saved, forever following, right? Hear that one more time. It's once saved, forever following, that we are saved and we stand in it, we grow in it, right? And that's what correct theology looks like. That's what the gospel does. I think about it like this, okay? Now, my daughter, she has to go swimming yesterday, right? Believe that or not. Um, we go outside now, and, and uh, it's looking like a repeat of January. You know what I'm saying? It's freezing. Um, but it's coming up where we're getting ready to hop in the pool, right? You guys thinking about that time? Does anybody here just genuinely enjoy, like, summer's your favorite time, getting by the pool? Um, okay, no one's awake. All right, hey, we've got to wake up, right? Do, do you guys like to swim? Yes, no? Okay, terrible example if you don't. Raise your hand, man. I'm with you. Wake up. I know it's sleepy. We've we got to get going here, okay? So, so hear this. I think about the gospel a lot like a swimming pool. And a lot of times what Paul's doing in his letters is he's addressing people that are on two sides of the pool, right? Like if you're facing a pool from the diving board, think about people spread out on two sides of the pool, right? And so the people on the right side, right, they have never jumped in. You know that time when it's, it's time to get ready to jump in the pool and uh, you can kind of dip your foot in it, you kind of want to feel the water, and then you have this other people that just jump in, right? And constantly what I feel like Paul's doing is he's encouraging people to jump into the pool. Now what the pool is, the pool is the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus. And it's not something that we dip our toes into. No, it's an invitation to jump into the pool right? It's an invitation into Jesus. And now, if you remember about jumping in a pool, when we hop in, brother, that thing hits us different, right? It's cold. You know, there's kind of that shock effect, especially if you jump in March, April, it's really cold. But then what happens? It's new, kind of like a relationship with Jesus. There's this shock effect of now our, we're different. It feels different. We behave differently. You can't walk in water, you'll sink, Right? You start swimming. So when we hop into the pool, things are, are different. And it's very much like that when we get saved. We jump into the pool, and it's new. It's different. It's a new environment. It's a new way of living. But what happens the more we stay in that pool? It begins to get a little warmer. It begins to, to become uh, more comfortable. And then, man, you've got a great afternoon. Shoot, you got sharks and minnows on deck. You know what I'm saying? You got the fun noodles going to the bottom. I mean, you got stuff to play on. The pool is awesome, right? So imagine the pool, all right, the gospel being like the pool, but you never get pruny and you never have to get out, right? If Bella was in the service, she'd be like, Daddy, I want that Jesus. You hear me? And see, what Paul's saying is this, is that I'm inviting you in to a relationship with God. But this is it. And, and, and a relationship with God means we jump into a pool and we start swimming, but also what, what he means by this and being justified and, and truly jumping in is this. 
You can't tap your foot in the water and call yourself a swimmer. Hear that again. You can't set up camp, put on the sunblock, and hang out by the pool and call yourself a swimmer, right? No, the gospel doesn't work that way. And my fear is many people have dipped their toe in with maybe a, a one-time emotional experience or, or, or maybe it was just um, you're banking your life on a young decision that has borne no fruit and has shown no swimming uh, in the pool with Jesus, right? That we're not with him unified. And what Paul's saying is that misses it because if you believe that's what swimming is, he says you believe something that isn't true. Right, that he says that we are, it's an all-in kind of thing. And then constantly what he's doing in the gospel is this, is that many times we think that growing in Jesus is jumping into the gospel and then saying, okay, well, there's got to be a next step. There's got to be more. I've got to add more to my faith so that God will love me. And no, what he's saying is this, brother and sister, that it's constantly not about what more I need to do. It's constantly remembering what he has done for me. Hear that again. It's not, uh, uh, now I've jumped in the pool. Now I need to get out. Now I need to keep going. No, it's constantly going back to what he's done for you and me. And so the gospel message that justifies us is going in all in. So I want to ask you a question. Have you and I, have you ever jumped into the gospel pool? Right? Have you been close to Jesus right? Maybe dipped your toe in it, been around it, splashed the water. But you can truly say, if I look at the, the weight of my life, there's never been a moment where I became new, I became different, and my life, not perfectly, but my life began to look more and more like Jesus. What Paul's saying is accurate theology is when we jump into the pool and we begin to become more like Jesus. Right? That is the gospel message. Secondly, I want to address people, maybe you've jumped in. And you're tempted to want to jump out. You're tempted to want to go back to what you were. Or maybe you're on trying to get out in the other pool of, of trying to add to your faith or trying, to, trying to, to, to move past what Jesus has done. But what I want to tell you is this. Stay in the pool. Ask yourself, am I still swimming in the pool, in, God, in the gospel, in the good news that Jesus has done something incredible for you? Which moves me into the second thing I want you to see here. I want you to see the magnitude of the gospel the magnitude of the gospel. Verse number three, Paul says this. He says, I passed on to you what was most important. Now you can highlight, star, underline that, okay? He says, I gave you the very most important thing. He says, the most important thing. And what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. Now, I'm going to build this out a little more uh, in the coming weeks, but what he's saying is the scripture said he would resurrect, right? Um, he actually did die and resurrect. Now, verse 5, he said he was seen. There were witnesses by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. It says, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, right? And so, what we see is the magnitude of the gospel. In the, in the resurrection, Jesus died, okay? He was buried for three days, and he resurrected, and I've already said it, to die for your sins and my sins, that we could be justified and be sanctified in Christ, all right? But what I want you to really focus on is verse 3. He said, I passed on to you what was more, most important, and what had also been passed on to me. What he said is the gospel, the good news of Jesus had been given to him 
And he said, I'm giving it to you because it is the most important thing I could possibly give you. Now, check this out, okay? Um, That's talking about discipleship and sharing the gospel. The gospel shouldn't stop with you. It should move through you. Hear that again. If the gospel has been given to you, it should not stop with you. It should move through you, okay? When we receive it, we should want to give it, right? And what I want to encourage you is don't let the gospel stop with you. And think about it like this. Look past tense this year, 20, uh, 2020, 2021. Whose life has been changed because you've given the gospel? Now I want to look forward. Whose life will be changed in 2021 because you're going to pass on the gospel? Right? Because that's what Paul is saying is that this news is not meant to be kept. It's meant to be given away. It's meant to be shared. Brother and sister, Matthew 28, Jesus gave us marching orders. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What that means is that is not the great suggestion. That is the great commission for the church. It says that we are meant to receive this, jump in the pool, and invite others and bring them in, right? Bring them into the gospel that saves us for all eternity, that sanctifies us, and as we're going to see, one day we're going to be with Jesus for forever. That is the invitation to hop into. But we have to come to the point, right, lean in right here. The gospel has to become the most important thing in our life. The gospel must become the most important thing in our life. Because, see, here's the deal. And I want you to take this with you, okay? Christ died in my place. Christ died in your place, right? There was a great substitution that happened that Jesus did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And the resurrection is the proof that that is true, okay? The resurrection is the proof that that is true. And I want to just quickly bounce on this for a second. I've had some talks and some discipleship meetings, and actually a guy I've I've been investing in a little bit, he said, Buck, how do you know? How do you know that, that your, your way is the only way to God? Right? Like, like basically the gospel is the most important thing. Well, how do you know? Well, how do you know you're right? Because I see people in the Middle East, brother, they're jumping on stuff. They're, they're strapping bonds. They'll do anything because they think they're right. And then we talked about Judaism. And we talked about Hinduism. We talked about Buddhism. Okay? Well, let me tell you why Easter is so important. Because I want to tell you what happened uh, to Muhammad. He died and was buried, right? I want to tell you what happened um, uh, to, to all the Hindu gods, right? One, they're never really alive, but they're buried and dead, right? Even Moses, our great figure. Moses is not Jesus. Moses uh, died and he was buried. But I want to tell you something. This is what makes us right, okay, is that Jesus died and he was buried. And brother and sister, he resurrected and he's alive now. That, that that's what sets it apart. That's why this Easter season is so huge. And what makes what we're doing different from what others are doing is that we're not reading uh, a book that some prophet wrote and then he died. No, we're reading uh, a book that a Savior wrote that's alive and speaking to your heart and my heart right now as I read his word. What we're doing here is alive, right? It's not dead. It's not just some relic. People are getting saved and baptized, and they're changing the world. That's alive. That's what we're doing here, and that's the invitation. This Easter is to remember 
that we serve a resurrected Savior. Tony Evans said it like this. The resurrection is your receipt that God accepted Christ's payment for your sins and my sin. So the resurrection is the receipt that he died in our place. But I think about it. I go back to that infinite holy God, okay? I go back to this infinite holy God, this God who is perfect in all he does. He's set apart. He's perfectly righteous. He's never made a mistake. He's never hurt anyone. He's never said something he wished he could take back. He's, he's never done any of that, right? And what he did is he sent Jesus to die in our place. And I think a lot of times we miss that. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like looking at a, a, a dresser drawer, right? And this is my testimony. I think, uh, you, you ever seen the cardboard testimonies? If you've been in church life, you've probably seen them. They're a little cheesy, right? Um, but you, you write on the cardboard on the front end who you were before you came to faith, and you turn it over, and it says who you be, what Christ did in your life. There's this uh, picture that's really good for death to life. This is who I was before I jumped into the gospel, before I received Christ. This is what I became. Well, mine said that Christ used to be a passenger, and I flipped it over, and it says, he now steers the ship. And see, that's what Jesus does. You know, I think a lot of times in this uh, kind of this religious culture, he can become like looking at dresser drawers, and he becomes a compartment. Maybe you're thinking about your, your sock drawer, um, maybe your, your drawers drawer, right? You got your sweatpants, like late at night drawer down here somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're looking at your drawers, and you've got different compartments in these drawers with different items in them. And a lot of times, instead of seeing the gospel as the main thing or seeing Jesus as the most important thing, um, well, we have our Jesus compartment. Um, we have our, um, you know, uh, hobby compartment. We have our um, family compartment. We have our work compartment. We have um, this compartment. And Jesus is competing uh, with, a, with a whole bunch of drawers and compartments. But what I'm saying is, once we dive in and receive it, what Jesus does is he throws that dresser out and he gives us a new dresser right? And all the compartments of our life begins to draw from that compartment that Jesus is Lord of our life, and he now is the foundation we sit on. And our work life, hobbies, all those things, uh, we enjoy them more fully because we realize we've been freed and that Jesus is the one that leads us in all these areas of our life. You guys tracking with me? That's what he says. That's what it means to call Jesus Lord, is that he is the main thing, right? And this is what I want you to know. If, if you're looking at some of your drawers and you're like, not, not, not these drawers, like Trester drawers, get your minds out of the gutter. If you're looking and thinking, man, I, I don't want Jesus to touch my stuff. I kind of like how my life is. I kind of like this thing that the Bible says sin. I kind of like it. And I don't want Jesus to take things from me. I want to tell you the, the great illusion that Satan has is that somehow when you, you dive in and you come to faith and you start growing in faith, right? The great illusion um, is that we're going to lose something. But I want to tell you, since I got, a new, so I, I got a new dresser, man, life has been better, more full, right? And that Jesus doesn't take things from us. He gives life to us. In all those areas of our life, God has life for you. And that's what it means, when we swim, when we come into the gospel. And so I want to ask you this question. Is the gospel the most important thing in my life? Ask yourself that. Is the gospel, 
the most important thing in our life. And I'm talking the two camps here, okay? Um, you know, it, it may be the camp of that's never been true, right? And Jesus is inviting you to jump in. Jesus is inviting you for that not to be the case anymore, that he loves you enough to do that, right? And then I'm talking to a second camp that you've jumped in, and whether it be uh, religious culture or maybe it's just, uh, it's just you moving on to something else, or maybe you're forgetting that you, you were saved in the first place by what Jesus has done, and you, you feel this guilt that I've got to, to work harder, I've got to, to go farther, or you're constantly walking around with guilt and shame. What I want to tell you is just return. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe it's, it's become a going through the motions thing. Maybe it's just become a, a, a something I go and do or something I have to do in the morning time, right? I just want you to return to the beauty of that, that Jesus died in your place. And that's at the place of worship, that we love him, not so we would be accepted by him, but we worship him because we've been accepted by him, right? That's love. That's the place of worship. I want to pick up in verses 8 through 11. It says this, it says, last of all, as though I've been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. You can highlight that. Paul said he saw Jesus. He saw him. Verse nine, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church, God's church. If you don't know this, Paul, who wrote this letter, who is now a Christian, uh, used to approve of killing Christians. He used to imprison the church. Some of you may have rolled up in here thinking you've done some bad stuff. Uh, Paul persecuted the church, right? And what he's saying is, I don't even deserve to be an apostle. That was a a, a hand-selected leader by Jesus, right? And he says that the way I persecuted the church, I don't deserve that. And it says in verse 10, but whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favor on me. In other words, that is grace, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by what? By his grace. You can highlight that. By his grace. It says, so it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message you have already believed. Brother and sister, write this down. I want you to see the, the true response to the gospel. We've talked about the work of the gospel in our life, it, it, it saves us, it sanctifies us. The magnitude of it, Jesus died in our place, it's the most important thing. Now I want you to see the response. First of all, looking at Paul's response, number one, he truly saw Jesus. He truly saw Jesus. Now we can't see Jesus physically, but what we do through the power of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the word, we begin to see Jesus spiritually that God gives us eyes that we don't know why it's true, but we know in our heart we can see that this is true. That's the, 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 the illumination of the Holy Spirit that we see Jesus, right? And Paul truly saw him. And I really believe a relationship with God begins when we truly see God for who he is. When we see God for who he is, then we can know who we're in relationship with, okay? Um, secondly, we see that Paul understood his grace. He said, I've done these things. And what Paul has done, y'all, he's preached, he's planted churches, he has done work for Jesus, right? And he says, I did this because of his grace. 
And what grace is, is unmerited favor. See, Paul saw the weight of his sin. He saw a holy God who was perfect. He saw in himself a person who was imperfect. And not only was he imperfect, but he was trying to destroy the very thing God created to save the world. And that, that, that weight, he understood the weight of the sin. I want to tell you, if you're doing something right now, okay, in your life that God says is sin, right? If there's something in your life that, that is blatantly sin, I want to tell you something. That, that very thing is why God sent Jesus to the cross. And Paul felt that. He felt the weight of he sent Jesus to die for his sin. And when we truly feel the weight of sin, we can begin to truly appreciate his grace. That God did something for us we could never do for ourselves. Man, you can't take a shovel and go back in your life and try and root out all the problems and mistakes you've made. You, you, you cannot do it. Man, you're going to sin while you're holding the shovel, right? It's in us. It's deeper than something we can root out. It's something God has to do to forgive us, do something we could never do. And Paul saw that. Now, I, I want to show you this too. But when he truly saw that, Brother and sister, he put that grace to work. He put that grace to work. He says, what does he say? He says, whatever I am, verse 10, whatever I am now, it is because God poured out a special favor on me. And he says, it was not without results. I've done something with this grace. He says, for I've worked harder uh, than all the other apostles. Right? He says, I'm, I'm working. Like, I'm putting this grace to work. And he planted churches. He did great things for God. But understand what he always went back to. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by what? By his grace. See, that's what grace-based results look like. A person who gets the gospel begins to make impact with the gospel. And when people try and brag on him for his impact of the gospel, they point back and say, all I've done is for God, because of God's grace. He says, it don't matter who preaches. He says, I don't, I don't care who preaches. I don't want the credit because this life is not my own. I was bought at a price, right? And all I'm doing is prompted by what God's done for me, right? I'm not doing it to get God. No, I, I'm doing it because God has gotten me, right? And it's by his grace I go. Stephen Lawson says something I thought was great. And I want to encourage you, if you've received this grace, this grace should put us to work for the gospel. Stephen Lawson says, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Works will not take us to heaven, but they will follow us to heaven. The grace is meant to be put to work. So I want to tell you, man, let's continue to turn this place upside down for God, right? And let the credit all go to God, not to us, right? I believe God will rest on, on the soul that's fully submitted to him, wants to see gospel impact. He'll make a great impact through you, right? As long as the impact begins to come, you remember the one who sent you, right? And I believe God will do that. So I want to finish with, with something. I want you guys to imagine for a second, okay? I want you guys to imagine a, a courtroom setting. The Bible gives a very clear uh, thing. In Romans 6, 23, it says for the wages, okay, the penalty, the price for sin is death. You remember, I've already talked about God doesn't operate like us. 
God is without sin. He is holy. He is perfect. And it says just one sin, okay? It says that the wages, the price of that is death, okay? And that's God's word. And so that's really bad news. And so I want you to imagine for a second that we're all sitting in a courtroom. You're sitting in a courtroom, and you're in the, you're in the stand, your own trial. And posted all around this courtroom is just that one verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And so it's clear, everyone in the courtroom knows that if, if someone has committed sin, that, that death is there. And right in the courtroom is where that's going to go down. Imagine the thought of that, right? And so the judge, he begins to lay out the charges, which is sin. And he goes all the way back from day one in our lives. I want to tell you, if I'm on the court stand, y'all brothers better grab a snicker. We're going to be here in a minute, right? But he begins to lay it all out. And this judge, he's loving. He's a good judge. He's going to do the right thing. He's holy. He's perfect. And the thing about holiness is perfection is you're going to do the right thing, right? And the right thing is that the wages of sin is death. And so he's laying it out, and he's going to continue to be just and good. And we start realizing, man, I'm the one that's bad. I'm the one that's messed up. Man, I, I, in light of this perfection, I'm the one that's messed up. And we sink deeper and deeper in our chair. And the charges are finally done. And that judge he takes that old gavel. And it's time, right? We know it's time. And then all of a sudden, this judge's son stands up. He's the defendant. He says, stop. Stop what you're doing, judge. This man, this woman, absolutely guilty. Everything you said, exactly right. I have no defense, but I do want to do something. I want to sit in his or her place. I want to sit in their place. Judge, you can keep your justice and perfection, right? And I love this person so much, I don't want this for them. I want to take their place. And I want to tell you what happens. He says, all you got to do is receive it. Let me, let me take your place. And so when we say yes to that defendant, who is Jesus, he sits in our place, justice is served, and we walk out of the courtroom, and I want to tell you, we're never allowed back in. We don't have to fear going back, right? And on the way out the door, someone, whoever that person is in your life, they give you a pamphlet. And in that pamphlet is a letter. And in that letter is, a, is a everything, every reason uh, why that defendant did what he did for you. Who he is, what he's like, and why he went and took your place. And in it is also what I want you to do with your freedom. Right? Now, if we truly believe Jesus did for that for us, and that letter is like his word, Man, we would cherish that letter. I'd want to know every bit. Why in the world would this, this person do this for me? I know I've done those things wrong. He's never done anything to wrong. See, the defendant's just like the judge. He was perfect, yet he died in our place. He said, why? And he gives us a word, and what it is is a love letter. It's because I loved you, why I did what I did. And the, and the requirement I want for you is this. I want you to go and to love me with all your heart, and to love others and to tell them about me. Brother and sister, that's the invitation of the gospel. That is the response of the gospel. We begin to read that letter and apply it to our life. 
and share that good news with other people. That is the invitation. That is what has happened on the cross. And so I wanna bring people into something right here. Don't buy into the lie that this invitation isn't for you. If you've never said yes, you know, maybe Satan right now is saying, I could never be saved, right? I, I could never, there is no way. That is a lie. Maybe for some of you, man, you've never read the Bible, never seriously studied. Well, I can't read the Bible. I don't know where to start. I, I could never, I'm too far gone. That's a lie. I could never pray. I could never pray. I, I don't even know how to pray. It's awkward. Man, that is a, a, a lie. You know, I could never, I could never, man, those are the, the lies of the enemy. And what I want to encourage you with is this. Right now, as you're thinking about yourself, get your eyes off you and begin to get your eyes on Jesus because that good news I just shared is what he's done for you and for I. And so everything we do must come out of that place that we've been rescued. We've been resurrected. Jesus died in our place. It is by God's grace we are saved. It's by God's grace we are sustained. It is by God's grace that we grow. It is by God's grace that we produce works and results. It's not about you doing more. It's about what I just shared, lighting you on fire and sending you out to walk out this relationship with Jesus. J.D. Greer says this. He says, the fire to do in the Christian life go out and do, comes only from being soaked in the fuel of what's been done for you. Let it soak. If you've never received it, today's the day to receive it. Believer that's received it and drifted, let it soak. Let it soak that this is why we do what we do, what God has for us. And so today, as we get ready to respond in worshiping, I want to put this in front of everyone. Maybe today you need to come to faith in Jesus for real this time. You know, you've settled for dipping your toe in the pool and God's like, man, I, I'm not asking you, you're, I'm not asking you to dip your toe in. I, you're, you're being invited to dive in, to truly receive what I have for you. For some of you, you need to be baptized to go public that you're afraid of what people might think. If someone that uh, thinks I have something that I don't, man, don't be afraid to go public. For some of you, it's, uh, it's to begin to read and to pray. You've drifted and man, God's calling you back to, to enjoy this love letter from him. For some, it's to embrace the message and to go and tell others. For some, it's to join a connect group, to get plugged into the body so that uh, we can invest in you and you encourage us and, and we can begin to, to make a difference in this world and share the gospel. Whatever your next step is, I just wanna end with this question. What is God's grace wanting to do with you today? What is the gospel doing? Because what I've learned is the gospel merits a response. Whether we've come to faith or not, we all have a next step that Jesus wants to take us deeper and he wants to use us for his glory. Let's pray, church. Father, we, we love you. God, as we meditate on your truth, God, your word, your goodness. God, I just wanna pray first of all right now for those that, Man, maybe you're here today and you know, man, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I've never had a time where my life looked different. I, I've never had a time where I truly jumped in and began to grow and become more like Jesus. But today's the day, man, I, I, I truly can feel and see that Jesus has done 
this for me. He's died in my place. And, and I just want to receive that message. And I know if I don't receive it, I'm going to stay in that courtroom. And that, and that, that sentence is coming down. And, and today I'm walking out. If you'd say, I want to come to know Jesus today, would you just lift your hand? Is that anyone here today in our service? We'll give you guys just a second. we continue to pray. I just want to pray right now for everyone, that whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, I just pray we would listen. I pray we would come and pray. I pray we would sign up for the next step. I pray that right now, all of us, man, God speaks to us individually. That holy God, when we come to faith in Jesus, it says he, he can speak to us like a friend. He said he spoke to Moses like a friend. And, and we have that same access through the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray as you minister to your people. God, as you minister to me. And God, as you've been telling me to demonstrate your holiness to people. God, I pray that happened today. And God, I pray as you minister to your people, we would respond. And God, we wouldn't leave here the same, God. But we would see your beauty. And God, this Easter season would just be a mark in our life that changes us for all eternity. God, we don't want to settle for going through the motion. God, we want you. God, move in their midst, God, as we respond. And God, as we, we do what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, we worship in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.